In these winter months, consider TripInsurance.com to cover your next cruise investment. Buy direct from the leading insurers and save up to 40% or more on comparable plans from the other sites. Get a quote today and save from TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, what's up? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio, a review of Carnival Vista and talking about sailing with a gluten-free allergy. Uh, Very popular these days. In fact, I've been getting a lot of questions about it lately. I myself, I like to eat. I like to eat everything. I'm not gluten-free. So I have Lauren with us, and she'll be here in a couple of seconds to answer some gluten-free questions when it comes to sailing with dietary restrictions. Also, Ben from CruiseFever.net with us to review Carnival Vista. Before we get to both of these fine people, I do want to remind you of all the posts we've been doing at CruiseRadio.net. We have a search box there on the upper left-hand side. If you want to type in anything you're looking for, you'll find it, whether it be an Alaska cruise guide or a drink package comparison, restaurant uh, reviews. It's all right there at CruiseRadio.net. Also, Cruise Radio News, it's our Facebook group. Come join the conversation. Just search Cruise Radio News on Facebook. All right, let's talk food. Hey, Lauren. Hello. Lauren, for the listeners who aren't familiar with a gluten allergy and myself, uh, what exactly is it? So gluten is a protein that's found primarily in wheat, barley, and rye. And for those who have a gluten intolerance or celiac disease, which is basically a gluten allergy, um, it can cause digestive and skin reactions. So um, those who have an allergy or an intolerance need to follow a gluten-free diet to kind of avoid those um, side effects. So it pretty much rules out wheat, barley, and rye. So that means no beer? Yes, unfortunately. Now, there there are um, a few gluten-free beers out there, and I know... Uh, Carnival does have one gluten-free beer um, on their drink menu. And then also kind of as a beer substitute, there's all of the ciders that are popular now, the hard ciders like Angry Orchard and, and some of those. Yeah. Um, so if you if you want to drink, you can, but it's a little bit harder to find a wide variety of gluten-free beers. It seems like 75% or 80% of the food on the ship will have some kind of gluten in it. So what kind of pre-cruise research did you have to do before you sailed? So I had taken a few cruises before I had been diagnosed with uh, celiac disease. Just to start, I I was researching the Carnival website, which was the cruise that we were taking. Um, and also uh, some of the cruise boards like Cruise Critic, uh, just to find out some others' experiences with eating uh, gluten-free on their cruises. This was about four years ago, so it was a little bit harder to find information then, but I'm noticing, you know, as time goes on and more people are um, eating gluten-free, it's a little bit easier to find information online um, and just kind of see how each cruise line deals with the gluten allergies. So there's there's more and more information yeah. available. How do you make the cruise line aware of this dietary restriction? So when I book a cruise, I let the cruise line know, you know, when I'm booking that I have a gluten allergy. So I'm either telling the person that I'm booking with at the cruise line or a lot of um, cruise lines will let you enter that information online or send an email so it's it's pretty easy to let them know, and you want to do that as soon as possible. I know Royal Caribbean has a time limit of 45 and 90 days, depending on where your cruise is sailing, to let them know about any food allergies. So I think it's important to let them know as soon as possible. 
What is the difference in the way they prepare gluten-free meals versus just like a regular meal you order in the main dining room or wherever you're eating? Cross-contamination is a big issue with um, a gluten-free diet. So you can't have um, a gluten-free item touching a piece of, say, bread or, or something with flour that is not gluten-free. Mm-hmm. So to prepare those gluten-free dishes, they prepare them separately, maybe in a separate area of the kitchen, uh, just to make sure that there's no cross-contamination. And then they're using gluten-free ingredients like gluten-free flour, gluten-free oats, breadcrumbs, gluten-free pasta, just to um, make sure that they're gluten-free. The nice thing about the way they prepare the gluten-free menu items is that they do such a good job that typically you don't know the difference. Mm-hmm. I, you know, with Carnival, I had a lot of the same menu items, not gluten-free um, on my first few cruises. So they really do a great job of making sure they still taste good, even though they're gluten-free. So walk us through the process. You get into the dining room. Do they just hand you your own unique menu? When I board the ship, I usually go to the main dining room and I uh, tell them or remind them of my gluten allergy. And they'll give me the menu for that first night's meal and kind of point to certain things that they can make gluten-free kind of on the fly. And they'll have me pick out my dinner that I'll have then later that evening. And then each night, I'll choose my dinner selections for the next evening. And also, if I'm planning on going to um, the main dining room for brunch or breakfast, they'll let me choose those menu items as well, just to make sure that they're, they have those orders in and they can make that for me. This might sound very stupid, but what kind of food is on the menu? Is it really good food or just like basic food? It is really good. I mean, they'll make they'll usually make the same menu items and they can make them gluten-free. One exception is things like lasagna. They don't have gluten-free lasagna noodles, so they'll make you just pasta with with the same sauce or um if you're something with a gravy on it or that type of thing, they'll they'll just make it with gluten-free flour and it tastes the same. So, they really do a great job of of making sure that the food still tastes good. I mean, honestly, I I think it's easier to eat gluten-free on a cruise ship than it is in real life, like Mm -hmm. at a a restaurant, because they're they're much more accommodating and they pay more attention to the food and how it tastes. You know, I think they really do a great job. Does it work the same way if you're eating in the steakhouse or the Italian restaurant or one of the specialty venues on board? It does. Um, On previous cruises, when we would make reservations for specialty dining, um, we'd go to the venue and they'd tell me what they could make gluten-free and I would have that for my meal. Now, on our uh, most recent cruise on Carnival Sunshine, we went to uh, Casino del Capitano a Mm -hmm. few times, and each time we made reservations, they asked me ahead of time if I wanted to place an order, and they were able to make me menu items that a little bit harder to find gluten-free, like um, arancini, which um, is rice that's fried in breadcrumbs, um, and also uh, chicken parmesan and tiramisu. So that was nice uh, to be able to have whatever I wanted, basically. Same with the ship steakhouses and bonsai sushi on Carnival. They are very accommodating and, and pretty much let me choose what I want, or they'll tell me what I can have, and, and I'll order that way. Since you're talking about Carnival Sunshine, how about venues like Guy's Burger Joint or Blue Iguana Cantina? 
So blue iguana, you can get corn tortillas, which are considered gluten-free. Um, or sometimes I'll, I'll pick up a, a bowl from uh, the buffet and take it over to blue iguana and they'll make me a burrito bowl without a tortilla. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a way around um, that to, to be gluten-free. When you go to Guy's Burgers, you can ask them for a burger and ask them to change the gloves that they use because they've been touching the hamburger buns. A lot of times I, I don't do that. I'll just go and get fries because the fries are um, fried in a separate oil from gluten ingredients. Like there, there's no chicken fingers or anything like that in the same oil that they're frying the fries. And the person who's serving them is not touching the burgers or the hamburger buns. So it's easier to know that there's not cross-contamination with the fries. How about the the main buffet, like on the Lido deck? Because there is like a hundred different food options on there. How do you know what you can have and what you can? Lido's a little different, and, and buffets in general kind of have to do a little bit of research or investigation to know what foods are usually made of. Like I, I'll definitely stay away from fried foods, gravies, pastas, um, those types of things, because I pretty much know that on a buffet they'll have gluten in them. I know that they have gluten-free pizza available 24 hours a day and they make it in a separate area of the the pizzeria. So that's kind of a safe option in my mind. Um, I can go to the deli and get gluten-free bread and they'll, they'll make the sandwich on a separate cutting board with separate knives to cut the sandwich. So that's usually a good option as well. Well, in closing here, Lauren, do you have any tips for people who may be sailing with a gluten-free allergy? My tips would be um, to let the cruising line know as soon as possible and try to pre-order your food whenever you can, because that way you know that the food is being made for you and it's going to be gluten-free. And one thing that's nice if you're on a a ship, a carnival ship that has Cucina del Capitano, even for lunch, you can go and order gluten-free pasta and know that that's a safe gluten-free option. And then as far as the buffets, eat at your own risk because you don't know exactly what's in that food. Mm-hmm. And then finally, um, you know, if you're if you're on a carnival cruise and you are eating dessert, don't forget that they can make the chocolate melting cake gluten-free. So that's great dessert and good to know that they can make it gluten-free and it tastes just the same. We've been talking with Lauren about cruising with dietary restrictions. She did a great post on this to kind of wrap it all up and bring it full circle. We'll link to it in the show notes at cruiseradio.net. Lauren, you've been a wealth of information. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Doug. It was a pleasure. Cruise Radio. Maintaining our global reach. Listen live at cruiseradio.net. From its rich heritage, picturesque beaches, and unparalleled blue waters, it's no wonder over 7 million people cruise to the Caribbean every year. What do you want to do? Swim with stingrays at Stingray Bay? Go for an island tour? Take a beach break? Or set sail on a catamaran to spend the day snorkeling? Whatever you decide, CruisingExcursions.com has a shore excursion to fit your budget. Cruising Excursions knows your time on the island is limited and that you want to make the most of your day. That's why they have shore excursions up to 60% cheaper than the cruise lines and offer smaller, more personable tours. Find out for yourself. Research and book your next shore excursion at CruisingExcursions.com. For over 42 years, Park West Gallery has introduced over 1.3 million people to fine art. Here's what actual customers are saying. I've been collecting with Park West five, six years now. 
six years, nine years, ten years. Everybody we meet at Park West makes you feel comfortable. You're part of their family. It is an exciting and fun experience. It is enjoyable, uplifting. Park West has been so kind to us. Park West makes us excited to spend money on art. To find out more about Park West Gallery, visit parkwestgallery.com or go to cruiseradio.net and click on the Park West Gallery icon. Have a question for the experts or would you like to talk about your cruise or vacation experience, good or bad? Email comments at cruiseradio.net. Ben just returned from a six-night sailing aboard Carnival Vista and he joins us on the line. Hey, Ben. Hey, Doug, how are you doing? Good, man. So this was a six-night Western Caribbean sailing out of Miami on Carnival Vista. I know it's been a couple of years since you sailed Carnival last. So uh, what were your pre-cruise thoughts before sailing Vista? You know, I was really excited about sailing Vista. Um, I know you've been on it. A lot of uh, my friends have been on Vista. And I was really excited to see a lot of the new features that they, it, you know, the ship brought to the industry. And I was just excited, you know, and one of the things that really excited me, honestly, was just to get a guy's, a guy's burger again for lunch. You know, that, that's something right there to look forward to. Yeah, because you were supposed to go on Liberty, like, for the day, right? Like, last year or the year before, but you couldn't do it in San Juan? Yes. Yeah. So, I just want to jump right to it and ask you then, what did you think of the guy's burger? It was fantastic. I had, um, I think the first day I had two of them. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, you just, you just one's not enough sometimes. They're, they're so good. Nice. So you live up in Cincinnati. You made your way down to Miami. You actually drove, right? Yes, we did. Gosh, how long was that? It's about a 17-hour drive. All right. So it's a little bit, but airfare was running about seven fifty, eight hundred a person. So I didn't want to spend $1,600 on flights, so I decided just to drive it. Cincinnati's not a high-yield airport, is it? Why are they so expensive out of there? You know, I'm not sure. It's just sometimes... Well, the thing was this. There were so many ships mm-hmm. sailing out of Miami that weekend. If you get like the 6 a.m. flight, it was $300, which obviously you can't get because you can't get off the ship in time. Yeah. And then you fly, once you have a flight from noon after from Miami, it doubles to triples in price. You stayed at the Intercontinental downtown Miami right there on the Bayside area. What would you think of that hotel? I'm just curious. I, I love staying there. It's my preferred hotel, staying in Miami. Mm-hmm. I love how it's overlooking the water. You can look out. If you're lucky enough, you can have a room facing the port or even a room facing a partial water. And it also gives you easy access. You can walk over to the Bayside Marketplace where there's tons of restaurants, shops, nightlife. It really is the, the perfect location in Miami. So since you drove down there, did you park at the pier? Yes, I did. Okay. And what was that cost? $120 for the six days. Okay. We parked right on the first floor. It was great. We parked 30, 40 steps from the terminal. It was perfect. Cool. And so uh, how was the embarkation process once you parked, got to the uh, check-in area? Embarkation was a breeze. We didn't get there right away. By the time we got to the port, they were already boarding. We pretty much just walked right through, checked in, and walked right on the ship. You couldn't ask for an easier embarkation. How long would you say from curb to ship? 15 minutes. Okay, yeah. That's not bad at all. Maybe 20 max. I mean, it was the longest we had to wait was for the photos. Mm-hmm. So that was that was really the only place we really had to wait. So it was great. So you board Carnival Vista. What were your first impressions? Wow, that atrium is, it really is something else. You know, with that LED that just kind of constantly changes and really just sets the mood for the whole atrium area. We really, really loved it. I loved how the aft pool, mm-hmm. one of our favorite you know spots on the ship, that was just, it was just great. So, and the whole ship was really impressive. It really was. Yeah, it's definitely a, I mean, it still has the Carnival branding, but a departure from the other ships, I felt at least. Oh, definitely. It's a, def- it's a nice change 
that they brought on with this new class of ship. Yeah, totally. So uh, you make your way to your stateroom. Uh, what kind of stateroom did you have and what did you think of it? We had a balcony stateroom on deck nine. It was right below the buffet. So it was great, easy access. The balcony was a pretty decent size because I know sometimes the balconies now, their cruise lines are kind of making them you know, smaller and smaller. But uh, the, the, the stateroom was perfect. Had a decent amount of closet space. One nice feature was on the wall, there was two USB outlets, mm-hmm. you know, to charge phones or tablets or cameras. And we, we made good use of those. And so I'm really glad they added those. Now, those are, that was a good addition. I want to talk about dining on board because this ship has a lot of dining options. Everything from, I mean, like you mentioned, Guy's to Blue Iguana Cantina. You can get food in the Red Frog uh, bar there. Also, Cucina del Capitano, the Italian restaurant, Gigi's Asian Kitchen, the Steakhouse, Fahrenheit 555. There's sushi. I mean, there's so many things on here. So I'm just going to let you pick where to start and talk to me about the food. As you mentioned, there are so many options on board, especially even for lunch. I think one day I counted 10 different options for lunch. Mm -hmm. So you had so many places to go. Um, Our favorites were one day we went to the Bonsai Sushi, which we really enjoyed. We were going to go back. We didn't get a chance because there's just so many options. And on a six-day cruise, we were just limited. Uh, We went to the Italian restaurant several times. For lunch, it's free. And there's usually not much for weight. Mm -hmm. So it's really nice. Especially on embarkation day, it was empty. There was us and like two or three other people in there. So it's a really great place to go on embarkation day to escape the lines for lunch. We went there for dinner one night also, which was also very good. We made it to the steakhouse, Fahrenheit 555. Had the filet mignon. It was absolutely delicious. Good service. The food was great. And then we ate, we had the late time dining at 8.15 in the main dining room, which we ate at three or four nights of the cruise. How was your uh, service in there? It was good. It got a lot better as the cruise went on. So I don't know if we had like a newer staff. And I know sometimes it takes a day or two to kind of get adjusted. But by the end of the week, the service was really, really, really good. Did you dine in the midship dining room or aft? It was the midship dining room right off of the atrium. So that's the single story one, right? Yes. Okay, cool. What was your favorite meal in there? Probably the filet mignon from Fahrenheit 555. Yeah. I want to switch gears here and talk about entertainment. What do you think of the entertainment options on board the six night sailing? There was a good amount of entertainment. There's a lot of entertainment on the ship. We didn't go to any of the main production shows because it's just, we're just not into that kind of thing. But we did go, went to the comedy show one night. It was really, it was good before dinner. They had an earlier show, so it was perfect. You go hit the comedy show and then go to dinner. One of the parts of the entertainment we really enjoyed was in the atrium. They have like, these violin players, and there's a trio, and they are just phenomenal. I mean, they mm-hmm. they are just – someone told me ahead of time when I got on there, like, you have to go see the trio of violin players. And I was like, well, that doesn't sound very interesting. But I went, and they were just blown away. We made it a point to constantly go every night to hear them play. Small things amused me, but it was sitting in the at atrium bar area and watching the uh, – what do they call that big sphere in the middle of the atrium that lights up, the HD – LCD oh, I screen. forgot what it's called, but yeah, the eight, yeah, yeah. that changes the LED. Yeah, it, ha- it changes like to 95 different images there throughout the voyage, which is really cool. And it's all controlled by an iPad. The technology blows my mind there. Wow, yeah. This is, Carnival really upped their game with technology on this ship. Did you go by the photo gallery at all? Yes. I loved how it was all, no more paper photos. Everything's digital. You just touch the screen, see the photos you want, the ones you want to print, you print out. That's really cool. Yeah, I think they're using like facial recognition, aren't they? I believe so. Yeah, it, it looked like it. Um, on the subject of entertainment, I want to take it outside then and talk about like the sky ride up top and the ropes course and everything offered outside. What do you think? 
the sky ride, that's, oh, that's a lot of fun. I got to do that in Grand Cayman. So they had great views. We had yeah. all their cruise ships all surrounding us. And so I had awesome views going around. We got hit with a monsoon. I was halfway through. So I made a little interesting ride. But yeah, it's really neat because you get a unique look of the ship that you can't get on any other ships. Yeah, that's really cool. Did you spend any time in the water park? Uh, yes, I did the water slides. It's a lot of fun. So, And I was kind of surprised at how short the lines were. For the kaleidoscope ride on a sea day, I waited maybe five minutes. Oh. So it wasn't bad at all. So you can go on it over and over and over again without having to, you know, wait for 45 minutes between going down the slides. How does the Havana area work now that it's in Miami? Because when it was in Europe, um, it was like Havana members only until 5 p.m. And then after 5 p.m., anyone could use the Havana pools in the back of the ship. Was it still like that? Now it's until 7 o'clock. Okay. One thing I noticed, because from the aft pool, you can look down and see them. Mm-hmm. Those hot tubs and pools were empty. Wow. I mean, there was just a handful of people in them on sea days. So I would recommend if someone's like on the fence about booking a Havana stateroom, do it. Because you'll have that whole area almost to yourself, especially on sea days. Or in port, you'll definitely will. Did you spend much time in Serenity? I walked through it a couple times, but we didn't spend much time there on it. We only had two sea days, mm-hmm. and I was so busy trying to, you know— check out the Thrill Theater, the IMAX, the Skyride, and do so many different things that we just didn't have time. Yeah, I'm curious. What did you think of the Thrill Theater? I, I can't sit still long enough to enjoy a movie. So did you like it? Well, they show more than just movies. Because mm-hmm. we, I wasn't going to go to the IMAX because I didn't want to sit on a cruise, pay to sit to a two-hour movie. Right. But they have some documentaries that are only 40 minutes long. Okay. And some take you to the national parks. We did one called Under the Sea, and they're all 3D. And so we went to that, and I thought it was absolutely phenomenal. The sound system in there was just like, wow. And I wasn't expecting it to be that high of quality. Because I thought, okay, it's an IMAX on a ship, but they're not going to really like do it right. But they did. Cool. And then we did the Thrill Theater, which I think it's also only five fifty a person. And that's only about 10 minutes long, but it's 4D. So you're sitting in these chairs. The chairs move a little bit. Sometimes water sprays out at you. It's a lot of fun, and it's, you know, the shows aren't that long. Cool. Let's talk about the ports you hit. You had three ports of call on the sailing. You did Ocho Rios, Jamaica, Cozumel, and Grand Cayman. Uh, you mentioned that you did the sky riding Grand Cayman, but I also saw some pretty cool pictures from an excursion you did there, too. Oh, yes. Uh, I did the helicopter ride. It took you over to Seven Mile Beach, then came back around and circled the cruise ships before landing. And that was, it was one of the coolest excursions I've ever taken. Was that done through the ship? No, it wasn't. I wanted to wait because if it was cloudy and the weather wasn't good, sure. I didn't want to spend that money ahead of time and be locked in. Mm-hmm. So I, we, got to, we got to port. It was sunny, not a cloud in the sky. It was $75. If you book it through the ship, it's 120 Right. So if you want to wait, see how the weather is, you just, I would just book it right at the port. As soon as you get off the ship, there's a little booth right there. And uh, it was, uh, the, the views are breathtaking, especially in Grand Cayman. It's so beautiful of an island. Yeah, this cruise excursion, that's one of the best games in town there because it's the same thing with Alaska. Whenever I wanted to do a helicopter over the glaciers and on the ship, it was almost $400 when I got off the ship and talked to the same vendor, 175 Yeah, the same thing <laughs> happened to us for like a float plane ride. We paid half of what the cruise line passengers paid. And yeah. We were on the exact same flight. So we got the same experience, but yeah, saved a lot of money. Exactly. So uh, what did you do in Cozumel? In Cozumel, we've been there so many times, so we, it was the last day, the last port stops. We wanted to just relax and day on the beach. So we went over to Chinkanab mm-hmm. and just kind of like, you know, just found some palm trees, 
sat underneath them, got some cold drinks, and just had a relaxing day. And how about in Ocho Rios? Ocho Rios, we did the Jamaican bobsled. Cool. Through the, uh, yeah, it was kind of cool. It's a little pricey. The ride's kind of short, but they do take you on like a 20-minute sky lift you have to take to the top of the mountain. And then when you are up there, there are there is like an infinity pool overlooking the port area and the ship and the great views. But it was a lot of fun uh, doing the ride through the, the rainforest. Have you ever done Dunn's River Falls in Jamaica? Not yet. Yeah. I want to. I want to do it in a small group. I don't want to go in, in, in a large, large groups. Mm-hmm. But one day I'll get around to making some Dunn River Falls. So you make your way back to Port Miami. How was disembarkation? It was the easiest disembarkation I've ever had. Since we drove, I was looking forward to hit, hitting the road right away. Mm-hmm. About 10 minutes after they opened up the gangway to get off, you know, we walked off. I think we were from the ship to car in less than 10 minutes. Oh. I mean, awesome. I was I was on 95 North at 735. So it was just, I mean, it was a breeze. You know, I always recommend when it comes to, you know, getting off, get off early. and You don't have to wait in any customs line. You know, the longer you wait, the longer that line gets and just becomes a headache. Have they moved mobile passport to Port Miami yet? I did not see anything for it. No. They didn't talk about it on a ship like they have in other ships, mm-hmm. like out of Everglades. Yeah. So. yeah. Do you have any first-time tips to offer anyone who may be considering or who is sailing Carnival Vista? Oh, yes. Uh, definitely try the different specialty restaurants. I know some of them come with a small fee, but they're worth it. Also, on a sea day when um, Guy's Pig and Anchor, the barbecue smokehouse is open, if you go at about 1130, there's not a line. If you wait till 12, 1230, the line just wraps all the way down the promenade deck. Mm-hmm. And also, if you want a balcony and you want a lot of private space, book a Havana cabin. Yeah. So you can have that great area in the back of the ship, and you don't have to fight for loungers, spots in the pool, that kind of thing. Uh, I totally forgot about Guy's Pig and Anchor Barbecue. How was that? It was good. Yeah. I, you know, I wasn't planning on having it. We just happened to walk by just as they were opening it. So there was no line, so I was like, it's lunchtime. Yeah. So I just got in line, had lunch, and right there, it was, it was really good. Cool. What was the biggest highlight for you looking back over your six-night sailing uh, the biggest highlight was just this sailing was really unique because it was kind of like a throwback to our honeymoon we did on Carnival Freedom, mm-hmm. which we also stopped in Ocho Rios, also stopped in Grand Cayman. So it brought back a lot of memories from our honeymoon. And so it was, it was just it was a really great trip. Cool. Well, in closing here, what are your final thoughts of Carnival Vista? It is a really great ship. And, some, and especially for families, if you're a family looking for a ship that has something for everyone, Carnival Vista is a ship for you. Been talking with Ben Souza from cruisefever.net. You can catch his review of this ship at cruisefever.net. We'll also link to it in the show notes at cruiseradio.net. Ben, good talking to you. Welcome home. Thank you so much, Doug. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer if you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com.
Cruise Radio is produced weekly at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Hear Cruise Radio on iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, iTunes, or at cruiseradio.net. For sales and marketing opportunities, email sales at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.